As we begin today's message, I want to ask you, have you ever found yourself in a compromising situation? And not intentionally in a compromising situation, but a time when you kind of just stopped and thought, I could be in trouble here, or this probably doesn't look really, really great, what's going on. Again, it might not have been because of any choices you made or anything intentional that you did, but could be related to finances. Someone had lent you some money or asked you to take care of some money or had asked you to help out with a deal or something like that. And you suddenly realise this kind of feels a bit shady. There's something that feels a little bit off here. I'm not sure about this. Could have been that you found yourself alone with someone. So you suddenly realise this is probably not an ideal situation, that we're here by ourselves in this situation. I don't know how this would look if other people knew about it or where this might go. Could have been that you were asked to do something that you didn't feel comfortable with, whether that was uh, someone in the work context or a close friend or a family member who said, oh, can you just do this for me? Or can you just take care of this? Or can you just pretend that you didn't see that thing happen? Have you ever had a situation where you've kind of felt like that? You've been in a compromised situation and you thought, this is not good at all. As we continue this series, it's called Why Me, we want to unpack that a little bit to say how do we address these situations where we kind of stop and look around us and say, how did I find myself here? How did I end up in this situation? God, what are you up to in the midst of something that might be a really, really challenging time? And we're using the story of Joseph as a way of being able to unpack what that looks like and to be able to work through his life story and his journey to be able to say, what do we do in these moments where we suddenly find ourselves kind of stuck and feel like God has abandoned us or left us, how do we respond in those situations? And as we do that, to be able to wrestle with this question that is often asked, why do bad things happen to good people? And how do we respond when we're in a situation where we're struggling? So you have your teaching notes inside of your Connect newsletter, so you can grab those out and jot things down as we go through today's message, if that's helpful. And uh, you can also open your Bible up to Genesis chapter 39, if you have your Bible with you. mentioned last week that we're not going to go through verse by verse, because it's quite long, so we'll be jumping around a little bit. So if you have your Bible, uh, you can open up to Genesis 39, because that's where we'll be going in a couple of moments. We kicked this series off last week, and uh, as a reminder, if you weren't here last week, you can watch last week's message on the front page of our website or on our YouTube channel. Uh, You can listen to it using uh, our podcast, wherever you get podcasts from. And we started by talking about this guy, Joseph, who was the son of this guy named Jacob. And we talked about the context for him, uh, that Jacob was the grandson of Abraham, this guy who God had chosen to be the father of this massive family that was going to turn into a nation of people who were going to walk with God so that they would be able to understand life the way that it was created to be, what it looks like to live in a full, complete relationship with God, with each other, and with God's creation. And so Jacob, uh, whose name was changed to Israel, is the father of the Israelite nation. And he has these 12 sons who are the 12 tribes of Israel. And Joseph is the 11th of these 12 sons. And we talked last week about how Jacob had a very special place in his heart for Joseph. And uh, he was pretty adamant about the fact that he loved Joseph more than any of uh, his other sons, which, as you can imagine, created a little bit of tension in their family. Joseph then has this dream Uh, or a couple of dreams actually, where his brothers and then his mum and dad are bowing down before him. And he talks to them about that, which obviously doesn't go down super well because they're kind of, this increases the jealousy that his brothers in particular have. And so his brothers decide that they've had enough of this and initially they decide that they're going to kill him. 
But eventually they kind of come around a little bit and they decide to sell him into slavery instead. They then take this very special coat that Joseph had, uh, which Jacob had given him as a sign of how much he loved him, and they tear it all up and put some animal blood on it and send it back to Jacob to say, Joseph must have been killed by some wild animals. And so we left that last week with Jacob, who is completely devastated, grieving the loss of his son, and Joseph, who has been sold into slavery and is heading on his way to Egypt. But as we talked about that, we recognised that Joseph really hadn't done anything. Maybe he'd done a little tiny bit, but most likely he hadn't done very much at all to deserve to end up in the situation that he found himself in. And so we pick things up at the start of Genesis chapter 39, starting at verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, and so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realised that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. So Joseph is purchased by this guy named Potiphar, who is one of the captains of the guard of Pharaoh's army. And Joseph does a really, really amazing job. He gets given a little bit of responsibility and he's really great with that. And so Potiphar sees that there's something special about him and gives him more responsibility, more responsibility, and eventually makes him his executive assistant and puts him in charge of absolutely everything, running his household, looking after his crops, looking after his livestock, and everything flourishes. Everything runs incredibly smoothly. Joseph wins employee of the month, Month after month after month after month. He's just a total, absolute superstar. And Potiphar is so comfortable with Joseph, we're told, that he doesn't have to worry about anything except what to eat every day. He gets up in the morning and thinks, what do I have to do today? Nothing, because Joseph's got it all under control. What am I going to have for breakfast? And then he goes about his day and wonders what he's going to have for lunch and dinner, and that's pretty much the full extent of his worries because he trusts Joseph so much. It's really important for us to stop and recognise how Joseph must have felt every day when he got up because there's no way that he's just suddenly magically forgotten everything that's happened to him. There's no way he's forgotten about what his brothers said, what his brothers did and the reality that he has been sold into slavery now in this country miles away from the rest of his family and his home. But somehow he manages to find the strength and the courage every day to get up and to give the best that he can, to keep moving forward. But in reality, Joseph absolutely could have gone the other way. We wouldn't have blamed him at all if he had just spiralled out of control and got up every day with a really, really terrible attitude. I don't deserve to be here. What have I done wrong? What did I do to deserve to be sold into slavery? I am the most loved son of my father. I should be at home looking after stuff, living it up with my special coat. And here I am in slavery, every day being told what to do. 
I am going to mail it in, I am not going to work hard, I'm going to have a really terrible attitude. We wouldn't have blamed him at all if that's how he responded. And it's a huge challenge for us to say, do we let the things that happen to us, the failures of our past, but particularly the things that have hurt us in the past, do we use them as a way of giving us strength to be able to keep moving forward, to embrace the courage that we need to give our best? Or do we choose to allow those things to cast a massive shadow over us? Do we allow bitterness and resentment to get in the way of us being able to do what God calls us to do? Or do we get up every day and say, I'm going to give my best, even sometimes despite the circumstances that I find myself in? Now, we're told that part of the reason why Joseph was so successful is that God was with Joseph. And we can kind of stop at this point and say, well, look, everything worked out fine for Joseph. He went through this really terrible experience. It was awful, but he worked really, really hard. And so God therefore blessed him and he became really, really successful. God was with Joseph and everything ended up turning out completely fine. I don't know about you, but that's often how I kind of process through things as well. Especially when I go through difficult times, if I do the right thing and keep pushing forward, then God will be with me and God will bless me and all of these good things will happen. And we can feel sometimes like that's the only times that God's with us, in the good times, when things are going well, when we're feeling like things are moving forward. But often we just bring that back to ourselves. God is blessing me because of all the hard work that I'm doing. Well, God is blessing me because I'm continuing to be faithful in this really, really tough situation. Well, God is blessing me because I'm not being bitter and resentful about all of these bad things that might have happened to me. The challenge is to understand that God is with Joseph through all of the things that happened to him. God's not just with Joseph in these moments where we see that he's incredibly successful. God's just as powerfully with Joseph when he's sitting in the well when he's walking behind the camels as he's shipped off to Egypt and the other things that he goes through. Do we only see God is with us in the good times or do we see that God is with us in the times when we're struggling and facing challenges as well? Well, Joseph uses his success as an opportunity to be able to talk about the place that God has in his life. He doesn't choose to talk about himself and say, I am successful because of all the amazing things that I'm doing. But he continually points out the work that God is doing in and around him to Potiphar in particular. We have to recognise that realistically the only way that Potiphar would have known about this God of Joseph is if Joseph had told him. Potiphar is the captain of the guard in Pharaoh's army, so he would have only known about Egyptian gods. We can imagine that especially as Potiphar and Joseph spent more time together, Joseph would have started to share some of his story, some of the things that he'd been through. And in the midst of that, he would have shared, these are some of the things that God is doing in my life. This is what I believe about God. This is the sense of faith and trust that I have. So back to us again. Do we allow God to use us in the situations that we find ourselves in? Do we allow other people to see that God is with us in the different times that we're involved in different things? Do we allow our integrity, our work ethic, our diligence, the way that we interact with other people to all be signs that point people to God? 
regardless of the circumstances that we're in. Well, as verse 6 continues, we're told that Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, quite the looker. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. So Joseph's clearly this strapping young man. We're told that he's kind of a late teenager, very well-built, very good-looking, attracts the attention of the ladies. One of the challenges is one of the ladies that he attracts the attention of is his boss's wife. A little bit awkward. So what would you have done if you were in Joseph's shoes? And again, think about all of the different options that were there for Joseph. He could very easily have just said, yes, I'm going to embrace this. This sounds very enticing and very, very exciting. We can keep this quiet. Nobody needs to know. It's all good. We'll just get up to no good and uh, continue to move forward. He could have reacted with a sense of kind of cocky arrogance to say, I am a very, very successful, very good-looking young man. And so I deserve this. And so, yes, I'm going to embrace this amazing invitation that's been presented to me. We also recognise that for Joseph, he had this massive pain inside of him. Think about all of the rejection that he's just been through, being cast away from his family, what his brothers have done to him, this massive hole inside of him. How enticing must it have been to have someone who says, I want you. That would have been an incredible temptation for Joseph, given everything that he was going through. So how does Joseph respond? Well, we're told in verse 8, Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He's held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Joseph responds with complete integrity, which takes an awful lot of courage. No way am I even going to consider this or go there. Look at everything that I have. Look at everything that Potiphar has given me. There's nothing at all that he's held back from me, except you, because in case you've forgotten, you're his wife. So it's really not appropriate for me to go there. So once again, we can imagine that this is how the story would finish. Great job, Joseph. He shows his integrity. He does the right thing. And so God rewards him for that. And he goes on his merry way. Right? No, that's not at all how the story goes. Verse 10, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Once again, imagine what this must have been like. Every day you wake up and you think, what have I got to do? Oh, that's right. Here we go again. I've got to face her once again. How can I avoid her today? I know, I'll go and I'll check out some of the crops. If I can go and spend the whole day out in the fields, maybe I won't have to see her. I can go over to another town and do some errands so that I don't have to see her. Day after day after day, he gets up and he faces this reality right in front of him. He tries to keep out of her way, but it's impossible. He's in this incredibly toxic situation where he has no way of being able to escape from it. So then, from verses 11 to 18, we see where this all ends up going. Joseph one day is cornered and left on his own in the house, and so Potiphar's wife seizes this opportunity and says, right, this is the moment. You're going to come and sleep with me whether you like it or not. 
And Joseph panics, doesn't know what to do. And so he just kind of takes off the coat that he's wearing that she's grabbed hold of. And he runs as fast as he can to get out of there. Well, Potiphar's wife, understandably, is kind of embarrassed by this. She was very rejected by this. And so she works out, how can I make up a story about what's happened here? And so she starts screaming. And some of the other servants from the house come and say, what's happened? And she says, look, this guy, he came in here and he tried to rape me. Look, there's the proof. He was taking his clothes off. There's his jacket. And then when uh, I started screaming, he ran away. It's terrible. I'm devastated by what's happened here. A little bit later in the day, Potiphar eventually comes home and his wife tells him exactly the same story. But it's layered with all of these extra things that are piled on Joseph. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house. It's a reminder to say, remember Potiphar, like he's not equal with you. I know you guys get on really, really well, but he's a Hebrew who's a slave and you brought him into our house. So this is technically your fault that all of this has happened. Well, verse 19, understandably, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. So once again, we ask ourselves, what exactly did Joseph do wrong in this story? What were the choices that Joseph made where he's at fault here? And here, once again, we come back to the importance of reminding ourselves that so much of the pain and suffering that people go through is caused by the choices of others. These, aren't Joseph, these things aren't Joseph's fault. Neither are these things God's fault, that God did something to punish Joseph. All of this is because of the choices of Potiphar's wife that inflict incredible pain and suffering on Joseph. All that he's done is worked really, really hard built up a sense of trust, done the right thing over and over again, made a huge difference in the household, in the place where he's working. All he's done is tried to do the right thing over and over and over and over again. And ultimately, what does he get for all of that? His integrity is questioned, his trust is completely thrown out, and ultimately he's thrown into jail. And what choices did Joseph had about how he could have gotten out of this situation? This is where it's important for us to remember, Joseph was a slave. And we often talk about, particularly in Bible context, about the idea of slaves and masters, and I've done it a little bit today, talk about employees and bosses. But Joseph didn't have the option of being able to say, "Uh, Potiphar, here's my resignation letter. I'm giving you two weeks' notice. I can't work here anymore. Something very awkward. And so I've applied for another job. So thank you if you could write me a nice reference that would be great. He doesn't have an option of being able to do that. He's a slave. He has no choices whatsoever. Could he have gone and told Potiphar? How do you think that would have gone down? Uh, So Potiphar, I just want to have a bit of a chat about your wife. She keeps trying to hit on me and I feel a little bit uncomfortable about that. How do you think that conversation would have gone? Probably not terribly well. So Joseph is completely trapped and stuck in this situation. He really has no options before him other than to continue to front up every single day and try and do the right thing. He takes this really challenging road. He continues to be faithful. He continues to hold on to his integrity. And where's it land him? In jail. 
his worst fears end up coming true. So I wonder whether any of us have had a similar type of experience. I would assume that most of us have probably not had exactly the same experience, but I'm sure that there are parts of this where maybe we can relate. As we talked about at the beginning, maybe we found ourselves in a situation where we tried to do the right thing, but ultimately out of that we still had our integrity question. Or worse, we ended up having all these consequences piled on us for something that we didn't even do, something that we weren't at fault about at all. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt stuck, where you felt completely trapped, where you felt like you knew you needed to get out of a situation but did not have any options about how to withdraw yourself from that? Have you ever been in a situation where you had made some choices to try and pull yourself out of that situation but you just somehow keep being drawn back into it over and over again? There's so much that we can learn from the ways in which Joseph responds to the things that he goes through. And the first thing is to recognise that for all of us, we have to make some decisions about where our lines are. What are the things that we're not going to cross this line? But the challenge is to say, if we don't do that ahead of time, it's almost impossible to do in the heat of the moment. And I read this really helpful metaphor this week that I think gives us a bit more insight into this about the idea of a sponge. So when you think about a sponge, when you squeeze a sponge, whatever's in the sponge is what comes out. And so this metaphor was helping to understand a little bit about the reality that if we fill ourselves up with the things of God, if we fill ourselves up with the things that Jesus wants in our lives, if we fill ourselves up with spending time connecting with Jesus, being able to pray, being able to connect with other people who are on the same journey as us, being able to work through things, When we go through those moments where we get squeezed, when the pressure comes, when we're struggling, what's going to come out of us? All of the things that God has put into us. God is going to ooze out of us. Jesus' peace is going to come out of us when we go through those hard situations. But if you fill a sponge up with dirty water, when you squeeze the sponge, guess what's going to come out when you squeeze it? Dirty water. And so if we fill ourselves up with all the wrong stuff, if we have really bad habits in our lives, stuff that we're doing that we know is not the right stuff to do, when we go through those moments where we're squeezed, when we're challenged, guess what's going to come out of us? But also if we don't put anything into a sponge and we try to squeeze it, guess what happens to it? It kind of falls apart and disintegrates. And if we don't put anything into our lives, then when we go through really, really hard times, we're completely dried out and there's nothing in us to be able to come out. So what we take away from Joseph's story is the importance of filling ourselves up with the right things when we have the opportunity to do that. Knowing that inevitably all of us in different ways face challenges and suffering and difficult things that we go through in our lives. But what are we pouring into ourselves so that in those moments where the squeeze comes, we know the right stuff is going to come out of us. We also have to challenge ourselves to recognise that even when we do make the right decisions, even when we fill ourselves up with the right things and even when we go through these difficult times and continue to make right choices, it doesn't necessarily always work out for the best. Just because we make the right decisions doesn't necessarily mean that we will be rewarded. Just because we make the right decisions doesn't necessarily mean 
that will be rewarded. Not about you, but that's a bit of a challenge for me because I know that's what my mindset is. If I do the right things, if I make the right choices, then God's going to 100% reward me for this. And Joseph's story shows us that that's not necessarily always the case. So what we're challenged about is whether we still choose to make the right choices, even when things don't necessarily work out for the best. Do we still choose to embrace Jesus' values in our lives and to live the way that God created us to live, even when things go sideways? And in those moments where we feel like that's a very lonely place to be, where that's really, really hard and tough, we come back to what we talked about last week, that we're not alone in any of this, that Jesus completely understands all of these things that we go through. That when we think about Jesus' life, we know that he was tempted in some very significant and specific ways. You think about all of the times through Jesus' life where he must have been tempted to say, that's too hard. I'm going to choose a different road. I don't know that I can go through with that. That seems like it's a really, really tough decision and I'd rather go this way instead. And for Jesus, after making choice after choice after choice the right way, where did that lead him? Ultimately, to the cross, to this incredibly painful death because he made all of the right choices that he was supposed to make. And so when we go through difficult times, when we make right decisions and feel like we're not being rewarded for them, Jesus can wrap his arms around us and say, yep, I know exactly how you feel. I've been there and I'm here with you in this moment. Now, we've intentionally held off a little bit of what we're going to get to at the end of this series, which is the reality that we know ultimately that God does use Joseph in some really, really significant ways. And we know that for Jesus, his death was not the end of the story either, that his death led to his resurrection and his ultimate victory. We know that God always ends up having the final say in our lives, in the things that ultimately end up happening to us, that God's victory in our lives is complete for us, even if we don't experience that victory until we pass from this life into the next. But we don't want to run too quickly to get to that place. We want to be able to sit in the tension that sometimes things are really hard and we go through difficult situations and we have to continue to make right choices. And when we're feeling that way, we don't have a God who's distant and far off. We have one in Jesus who knows completely what's happening for us. So, want to give us an opportunity to be able to reflect on that. Same question that we're using throughout this series that we used last week. What's God saying to you through Joseph's story today? What is God saying to you through Joseph's story today? In a couple of moments, you'll have some time to be able to unpack what that looks like. But for some of us, maybe we're feeling convicted about a, challenge, a situation where we need to make a decision, make some choices that might be really, really hard choices. Some choices that we know are choices that are based in integrity and the right thing to do, regardless of the cost that's involved in that. For some of us, there might be a situation we're in right now where we know this is not ideal and I need to make some decisions to move away from it, even though there's a cost involved in that. For some of us, we need to spend a bit of time wrestling with what that might look like. For others of us, we might still be feeling frustrated or bitter or resentful about a time when we did make some really hard choices in our lives and there's been consequences of that and we're feeling like it's not fair. We weren't rewarded for the hard choices that we made. 
That might be creating something in us that's stopping us from giving our best. And so we need to spend a little bit of time processing that with God. For some of us, it might be about coming back to that analogy of the sponge and saying, what am I pouring into myself right now? I'm not necessarily in a bit of a challenging place, so what am I filling myself up with so that when difficult times come, I know what's going to come out of me? What are the choices that I'm making now in the little decisions that I have to make that are going to stand me in good stead when something bigger comes along? could be something completely different to that. But what do you sense that God is saying to you? What are you feeling challenged about, inspired about, something that you want to process, think about as you head into the rest of this week? Take a couple of moments. You can talk to the person next to you, jot some thoughts down on your piece of paper, close your eyes, take some time to reflect. What do you sense that God is saying to you? What do you want to take into this week? And we'll come back together and we'll pray and transition to communion. Let's pray. Jesus, once again, we're so grateful for the ways in which 
a story of someone who lived thousands of years ago can have such an amazing impact on us today. We thank you for Joseph's life and his courage and how incredible it is that he continued to make good decision after good decision that was aligned with your best, even in situations where he then ended up not being rewarded from it, but exactly the opposite happening. We thank you for the challenge that that gives us about what it looks like for us to follow in his footsteps and to be people who also make the right decision, even when things don't necessarily go the way that we want them to go. We know ultimately that Jesus has given us the opportunity to be able to live the way that we were created to live, to be able to live out of a full, complete relationship with God, to be able to live in full, complete relationships with each other, to be able to live in full, complete relationship with this amazing world that you have created. But we also know that so many times we find ourselves in situations where it's hard for us to make those choices. And so I pray that as we head into another week, you would give us the courage and the strength that we need to be able to do that in all of the different contexts that we find ourselves in, whether that's in the context of our work, in the context of school, in the context of uni, in the relationships that we have, even within our families. Help us to be people who model and live out what it means to live the way that you created us to live. We also pray that you would continue to fill us up with the things that you've got for us so that in those moments when we are squeezed, when we do go through difficult times, what comes out of us is you. That ultimately people can see you through us, not just in the times when we're successful and where we do good things, but in the times when we're struggling and the ways that we react to that. For those of us who are going through difficult times right now, I pray that you would give us the courage and the strength to be able to make the right decisions as we head into this week. For those of us who are feeling frustrated or resentful or bitter about situations that we've found ourselves in the past, I pray that you would help us to be able to work through that with you, to find a sense of release from that and to be able to find a way to be able to get up every day and to continue to give our best without that shadow hanging over us. And for all of us, as we head into another week, we thank you, Jesus, that you are with us and you understand every situation that we go through, that you're not far off and distant and don't really get us or understand us, but that you walk with us day by day in all of the different things that we go through. So it's in your name that we pray. Amen.